0: So, Huhana, we're just going through your house yep. at the moment, which is obviously... Uh, we had fun injected. with this ramp. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and I'm visiting Dr Huhana Hickey at her home. See, that, even that doorstep there, can we just stop there a minute? Yep. Because even that doorstep... Yes, it's, it's a lip. And it doesn't yeah. need to be there. That's small, a small thing like
1: that. It can stop some power chairs. Yeah, it does not it? Not so much manual wheelchairs, but it can be a barrier to power chairs.
0: Hicky is in a wheelchair, so even leaving the house is tricky. Okay, and now we're heading down your lift. And you. Uh, not oh, your lift.
1: In my ramp. <laughs> your ramp. <laughs> this had to be rebuilt because the original was rotten, so they replaced it, but the guys created a danger zone for me. And I had another builder, Ministry of Health builder, to widen some doors. And next thing I know is he said, you're going to be collapsing down on this because it was so dangerous.
0: Today on The Detail, the everyday barriers for one in four New Zealanders, people with disabilities.
1: At the moment, only 2% of our housing stock is accessible.
0: Young people unable to leave home because they just can't find accessible accommodation. And there are thought to be thousands more lacking a suitable place to live. We're probably talking about 40,000 people at a minimum. We deal with families who are at crisis point. Uh, They don't understand how to go about finding information. This issue is not going away. Not only housing, new plans for carless city centres block out people who struggle to walk or cycle. We're 25% of the population we're we're twenty five percent of the wallets in the picture. Right now, I'm finding out how a simple walk through the park for me is full of hurdles for people in wheelchairs. Hickey, or Doctor Who as she likes to be called, is a lawyer. She was the first disabled public housing tenant to sit on the Board of Housing New Zealand before it became Kainga Ora. She needs a wheelchair because she has multiple sclerosis. Crucially, the park is Hickey's most direct route to hospital. So th- oh, Where this is the entrance. This to is the, the entrance. Right to go next through. to your.
1: Yeah. So I come through here at night time, or if I have to go to the hospital urgently. Yeah. It's quicker for me to wheel there than it is to grab the ambulance.
0: Yeah, and right. it doesn't make
1: sense with my wheelchair. I have to find a way to get it to me. So absolutely,
0: and and also, um, taxis I mean, won't pick you
1: up for that short distance. No,
0: no, because it's only kind of round the corner, <laughs> as you say. And that's right. not worth it in their time. Would you have to go to the hospital very often? Um, I'm a frequent
1: flyer, but sometimes it's at night or whatever. If it's a bad asthma attack, then okay. you will. But. Yeah. Um, you know, generally I try not to. As you can see, Absolutely. we've got a daycare next to us. Yeah. We've got daycare on the left and a on the right. We're, wa- we're walking Middlemore a kind Park.
0: Of wide pathway up to yeah. Middlemore Park.
1: So and so this, this is
0: fine because yeah. we don't
1: tend to get a lot of, and we've got a community kai garden. Oh. Which isn't accessible. They were going to make it so that they could have some elevated, yeah. But they would have to concrete some of the area in that, and it becomes too muddy in the winter.
0: Oh, that's a shame. So, isn't yeah, it? That's we really wanted
1: a kai garden there, but um, it just wasn't any good.
0: So that's so, uh, you know, this is kind of a revelation to me because it makes me realise how many things are out of bounds for you. Yeah.
1: Very much so, and we've got problems with a lot of the uh, hospital staff parking here, and they often park park as you can see on grass. They block the uh, maintenance people from the park by parking over that area. Yeah, and um, just
0: so we, should we just yeah. stop here? Because mm. say if you were taking a child to the playground right here, I
1: can't. Here. I have to go over a really rocky, rocky concrete, and then onto the grass to go there. So we can't.
0: No, it's, and
1: there's no footpath access. Flat is, they could have easily access. done a flat footpath axis access from there right through and they would have solved the whole problem.
0: Mm. Mm. Cheap Quite and easy but now thing. Yeah, mm. but
1: now they've created a big barrier because not only have they taken the bollards away yeah. because a lot of people were dropping the bollards illegally and so and we have problems with speeders and a few idiots around the area but right. you know what's so, unusual about that that's
0: right so that that makes sense but mm. i guess and so you know this is a really nice park it's a really nice area well it could be nice if they put some seats in maybe yeah. even put in public toilets for a
1: lot of families like coming here when they have to visit the hospital um, yeah and i've got humps that i have to go humps. over <laughs> Humps, speed bumps. I mean, humps, they're not bumps, high. Yes, yeah, speed bumps, and they're not high speed bumps. No. but but um, if I go too far to the left, I can often it gets stuck because I have a, a bolt for parking, and if cars come by, you've got to go yeah, there a little we bit. Go. Yeah. So
0: we're having to go along a road. Really, there's yes, another car coming. That's our the danger. Way. I've
1: got to go along a road. I, there's no footpath access in the park. And then we come to this gate, and as you can see, I could get in on the sides, but I can't get up to get in on the sides. And in the winter time, the mud would be so big, I'd be banned from the house for a month in my wheelchair. <laughs> um, but as you can also see, there's the issue here with the gates. They close these at night time and open them in the morning. Right. And there's no there's no access for a wheelchair to get under it, no. Or to get over it, get around mm. it, or to get through it. Have you talked to the council? Yes, they have not bothered to respond. And I've spoken with the local Papatoetoe board, and Dawn is really good. And she's trying to get something done, but um, so far no luck. Mm. We have a lot of disabled in our street because it's close to the train, close to the hospital. Um, And so it's a great spot for us elderly, families, disabled. Mm. But the problem we've got is no-one's talking to us
0: based on a picture of people who can do these active mobility things, and that's only some of us. That's Wendy Wicks talking about plans to ban cars from some downtown Wellington streets, the so-called Golden Mile. I'm not opposed to um, doing something to free up the Golden Mile, but what the options that are on on the table, the options that have been punched up, Um, are just predicated on wrong models and wrong ideas about people. I keep saying it's going to include all of us. Here's another example of barriers to access. A chief executive left tetraplegic after a mountain bike crash wants New Zealand's next great walk to be wheelchair friendly. Andrew Leslie, the head of recreation Aotearoa, wants to use his influence to make sure the country's public walking tracks are accessible to people of all levels of mobility, it could be simple things like um, better track maintenance. Another example is um, gates that are used to prevent, say, motorbikes going on cycle trails. They often prevent people that are trying to access their trail on a on a hand cycle. So back to Huhanahiki and our short walk slash wheel through her neighbouring park. She's explaining the difficulties of getting from her home to the hospital in her wheelchair. And
1: then you try to get down to the hospital, people park on the concrete.
0: Right, so the and the hospital from here, where is it? Just Right there. The- Oh, right there, yeah. okay. So it's just down a few blocks yeah. down the road. That's
1: Hospital Road. So they own the Hospital Road. Yeah. And the council owns Swaffield. But right on the corner, they built a new set of units which were filled la- last year and no parking for any of them. So they're parking all over the footpath, the berms, everywhere else, and blocking the only footpath access to the hospital and the train because there is no footpath access on this side. Only on that side. And it's completely blocked. And nobody takes responsibility. That's the problem we've got.
0: And, and the hospital, do they have any responsibility? Wilson Parking
1: um, have now started to ticket those guys, because I came down quite heavy, around um, that I'll take it to work safe, because it is actually a health and safety issue for disabled people. Because it means I'll have to wheel down on the road. Mm. And that's dangerous as heck around here, because people speed. There's been no planning around this. No,
0: because people don't
1: really think of it, do they? No, we're not accommodating the needs of disabled in any plans, in the unitary plans, in the designs, in the scapes, you know, in the infrastructure. We need to be a part of all those debates. We need Mm. to be in every area of every board and every infrastructural board, trust service that exists within society if we're going to be fully included.
0: Because I know that you've been advocating for a long time on this kind of thing. I'm over it. (laughs)
1: Are you? Yeah, I've been advocating for over 40 years. You get one victory and then next minute they put another barrier up in another area.
0: We're back in Hickey's living room now in a state house that was adapted for her. What is the correct way of describing... Is it people with disabilities, disabled people, disabled access, accessibility? you know, access for people with disabilities. What's What do you, how do you like it to be described? I
1: think it's up to the individuals because there's always been this debate. The United Nations Convention has disabled persons. Uh, Some people like persons with disabilities, but the social model pushes disabled persons. And we have the New Zealand Disability Strategy that pushes disabled persons. But as a Māori woman, I'm huhana. Okay. You know, disability wasn't a concept we understood um, until colonisation and, and then institutionalisation and then exclusion and discrimination. Um, it wasn't a concept because we included Fano regardless of whether they were physically disabled, intellectually disabled, neurodiverse. All those things were not labels we had. They were whānau. And it's that similar. It's shown in our mortals, all like Tafiri Matia, the god of wind, uh, gouged out his eyes in a rage one day and became blind. Mahuika, the goddess of fire, blind. You know, Murirangi um, Whenua, blind, deaf, physically disabled, Maui, clubfoot, and something ADHD if we give a modern diagnosis to it. But um, what they did was amazing feats in our cosmology stories that um, we saw disability as a natural, normal thing. Um, but in this Western world, we don't. We see it as a deficit, we see it as something less than dis. The ability. And so we label people stereotype and exclude because we don't know how to be inclusive of difference. And it's that discomfort we have with something different to mainstream that becomes why we label and exclude.
0: Hickey saw what it meant to exclude disabled people from consultation when she was on the board of Housing New Zealand. One of the biggest issues there was the
1: accessibility, and they they were quite proudly taking me into these brand new buildings. But the first one they took me into, suddenly realised that the door wasn't wide enough to bring my chair in, and I couldn't get my wheelchair in anyway because the lip was too wide, too big. And so then they then we they showed me the bedroom, and it's a single bed for a for a single disabled person. I said, so if they're married, where do they where does the partner sleep? If they've got a service dog, where does the dog sleep? Because because they sleep with the pe- with the person twenty four seven. What about the hoist? What about the wheelchair room? There was no room for anything but a single bed, and really a little side um,
0: table, and that was it. Well, when was that? how long ago was that?
1: <laughs> three years ago. Oh, three, three years, years ago. ago.
0: Because have things changed? it's no. On oh, my last
1: meeting before they changed to kind order and brought a new board on. Uh, the architects proudly showed another new set of models and I looked at them and I said, it's too small you're still not realising that some of us need caregivers to sleep over some of us need the biggest space for our service dogs, our equipment our wheelchairs, our hoists you know, we don't just bring us some of us actually bring a whole lot of other gear with us and some of us have children some of us have partners, some of us need that extra space for a caregiver to sleep. So if they're going to deinstitutionalize us, they need to look look at how to bring us into society and make that better. But the sad part was, as a state provider, they they did a great consultation process around access, got all the answers. It was one of the best I'd ever seen. The disability community came on board Mm. and then they acknowledged it and then they said, no, we don't accept 100% access. We are going to do it at 15%.
0: Kainga Aura, which looks after state housing, is modifying existing homes and last year committed to making 15% of its
1: new builds accessible. And it was like a slap in the face. So this is in the next set of plans and funding, but they just um, completed some, I think, in Johnsonville. And One of my um, colleagues, she said to me, because she's in a state house there, and she said I asked them how many of those new houses are accessible. They said none because they're
0: too expensive.
1: But so so shouldn't it cost.
0: be one in four at least? Well, I mean, taking be. into account the population. The department admitting it doesn't have clear data around how many accessible homes are currently available or just how many people are
1: in need. And ageing population too. I mean, what we're not looking at is that we uh, we need to have a cradle-to-grave concept where, you know, when you're in a cradle, you need a pram, you need all that. You need accommodation for that in a house. When you're getting older, even if you never go in a wheelchair, chances are you need rails, you need, you know, a ramp is easier than steps to manage. Visually, you need easy, you know, visual access. I mean, I don't know about you, but we've got cataracts and glaucomas coming up like nobody's business as I age. So, you know, n- not just the physical access, but all the other things that come with it. The problem we've got here in Auckland also is that the unitary plan has created a whole bunch of brand new suburbs completely devoid of accessible housing. But in Hobsonville, one developer did an experiment. He added a floor. With that, he had to add a lift. But with that, by making some of those units accessible, he actually saved $100,000. All government housing and all government public buildings should all be life-marked standard, which is universal design should it be more regulated then yes it's not just king order it's not just councils it's It's the fact that they haven't upgraded the building code 4121 in in decades.
0: There was a story on 9 to Noon recently, future-proofing houses Mm. for disabled people. There are growing calls for the Building Act to require all new housing to be easily adaptable for people with disabilities and for our ageing population. A recent study found that one in six New Zealanders needs modifications to their home. And yet the key features of accessibility, level pathways and entrances, an easily accessible bathroom and wide doorways, are only found in 5% of new homes. Life marks standard.
1: Um, but there was a big backlash yes, life mark. what it is is you don't have to have it accessible straight off, but what happens is if you have a need, it's so cheap and easy to just add some rails if it's already at uh, ground level, for instance, no stairs then it's very easy, if it's wide enough doors, wide enough uh, bathrooms, wide enough rooms if the centre beams in the ceiling are there that you can put a ceiling hoist in all you've got to do is add the equipment that's all it takes, Mm. but there was a big backlash from private developers, why can't we choose how we want to build our houses and that's fine but again it means disabled people can't visit family, we've yeah. got young people working in wheelchairs who can't get houses and they don't qualify for state housing because they're working um, And because they're in the private sector, they can't get any housing to meet their needs. And so I know when I moved to Auckland, it took eight months to get this house. I even tried the private sector, and they all turned me down because I was getting a service dog. And so there's a big issue around not just poor
0: disabled, but working disabled. There's a lot of barriers out there. Can I talk Hmm. more about your own story? I mean, so you're a lawyer. you, You actually work from home. Yes, but is that because it 's too hard for you to get to an office that's well also accessible? i don 't work
1: regularly, so you know I work when I get work and um, although i 'm very lucky because I write and i 'm busy anyway mm. um, but yes essentially i i can 't afford because i don 't get regular employment income um, I cannot afford an office, but if I could. I would love to just be able to go and sit with some other barristers and be able to work, but most of these places, their lifts are either too small or um, like they're too tiny to really fit in and,
0: and use, and they're just too expensive for me to manage. But um, you know. And what about the actual, you know, the process of getting there? I mean, as you say, mm. your house is it's ex- it's a 70 year old house, a so it's been adapted. House, it's been adapted for
1: you, but the shower is still inaccessible. In fact, it's illegal. I found out from my OT last year, and so now I'm on a transfer list. So I'll probably transfer when I'm dead by the long, by the length of time before we get a house that's accessible. But um, basically I'm in a, a state-owned house yeah. that has an illegally fitted bathroom and cannot fit as I lose my mobility. I cannot fit caregivers in there. So it's becoming more dangerous for me to shower because it's far too small to fit myself a wheelchair and two rather... Big Polynesian woman in there, you know, as well. But surely, if that's the case, you should be able to get that adjusted. You have to. Now, I know that Minister Cepoloni did say that there is funding, and there is, but what they don't tell, that what they clearly haven't told her, or they don't tell you. ACC have their own process. So for ACC people, yes, it's easier sometimes to get modifications because they have their own process for approval Mm. and how that's done. Um, Ministry of Health clients, we get one set of modifications our entire life. So if we're moved or kicked out and then we've got to go into another house, we can't get any more modifications done.
0: The state won't pay for you to have your bathroom changed? Well,
1: Order have no funds to do that themselves. So it comes from the DHB, the Ministry of Health, or ACC, yeah. but it's tied to the individual, not tied to them. So and you so can have it move, done once. Yes. So if I had to In move... And under National there was this annual review process at that time I was working, terrified I was going to be kicked out because it meant then I would have to seek modifications on a landlord's property where they make the benefit of those modifications, but I pay for them out of funds allocated to me from Ministry of Health. It's hard to fathom that you might spend the rest of your life living in a house that causes you a struggle every day. But that's the reality. Where has there been progress? Well, we still don't have anyone sitting in Parliament. We don't have anyone sitting on council boards that are disabled. We do have a few sitting on on council. We don't have any disabled as council members, but we do have some board members that are disabled potted throughout New Zealand. Um, we've got the uh, education claim coming up showing how appalling education is for disabled people yeah i mean the the positive thing is despite the lack of ppe gear and the lack of communication and support for disabled during lockdown last year we survived if they did not close the borders if they did not put the interventions in place disabled people would have been um would have been basically dead by now they didn't really openly protect us. They denied us PPE gear, denied us carer support people during the lockdown four. I know people twelve hours beforehand lost their carer supports and had their children caring for them, showering them, toileting them, doing all the cooking. And so um, we still struggle. But you know, we are we were one of the safest communities in, around the world of disability. Mm. If I can say that was what I'm grateful for.
0: That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform. Mark Jennings produced today's episode, Blair Stagpole engineered it. And thanks to Dr Huhana Hiki. Kaki te ano.